Hey, welcome to Access. John here. If you haven't already, be sure to download the free FBC Rungi Church app on iTunes or Google Play for sermons, announcements, and important updates regarding the church. Do you feel frustrated because you've been a Christian for a while, but you're just now finding out what it really means to be a follower of Jesus? This is part two in a six-part series called Follow Me, where we're going to be talking about why it's so incredibly important to read the fine print of following Christ. This message is entitled, Read the Fine Print. Do you make a regular habit of reading the fine print? I know you have had to heard this statement before. If something sounds too good to be true, it probably is. This statement serves as a warning to people everywhere. You need to read the fine print. And to help emphasize this point, what I've done is I've kind of drawn up some examples of, um, you know, why it might be important to read the fine print. For example, you might be walking in the mall, for example, and somebody hands you a little card, and on it it says, Big Shoe Sale. Buy two pairs and get three, the third pair free. Well, that sounds really good. And that's, you know, buy two, you get the third one free. That's awesome. But upon reading the fine print, you see that the third pair must be less than, you know, the other two pairs. And uh, the offer only applies to sandals. It's only a two-day sale, you don't even, you know, you can't show up at noon. It has to be in the morning on that two-day sale, and it's only available at select stores, which means you don't know. It means you don't even know if that store is going to honor that sale or not. So, I mean, that's, you read the fine print, you see that's not really a great deal. That's nothing to, you know, you know, get excited about. Well, another example might be that you might get something in the mail or through email that says, you know, we've got a new MasterCard waiting for you with your name on it. It's 0% APR, $5,000 credit limit, and no annual fee. Well, that sounds pretty good. But if you read the fine print, you'd see that after the first six months, that 0% APR goes to 24%, which is unheard of. You know, the um, the no annual fee, well, after the first year, it becomes $100 that you have to pay this company for the privilege of using their cards. Don't sign up for that. That's that's dumb. Well, I actually have included a video, and in it, um, you know, this is a legitimate company that is, you know, trying to get people to borrow from them. You know, they're saying basically you can borrow up to uh, up to ten thousand dollars. You know, and it only takes a day to get. You can get. You can be approved the same day. And the fine print is so quick that flashes across the screen. Not only is it so small that you can't really even read it. Um, it, it, it happens so fast that um, you don't see the fine print. And, and what I've done is I've basically broken down the fine print to kind of and give you an idea of what it says. Basically, it says the APR for a typical loan of $10,000 is 89.68% with 84 monthly payments of $743.99. And then it goes on to say that this isn't even all the you know disclosure. So basically, you have to call and, and get the rest of the information. Um, so, you know, if we were to break that down or actually add that up, 84 months of $743 and 99 cents, um, means that if you bought, if you borrow $10,000 from this company, you're going to end up paying $62,495 and 16 cents. That is ridiculous. That is not a good deal, but you wouldn't know that unless you read the fine print. And that's why it's so important. Read the fine print. If you don't, read the fine print, there might be a time whenever you have knuckles and bruisers show up at your front door, and trust me, uh, from what I understand about these two, they lack people skills. They're not really good at asking politely. They're really good at cracking the knuckles and intimidating and maybe even breaking a few, you know, limbs. Who, who, who knows? Well, reading the fine print is so, so important. And it's so important 
that a lot of companies that are after your money, they do everything they can to get you not to read it. Um, you know, they put their benefits in big bold letters like, you know, hey, look at this. This is this is really good, right? Well, uh, not only do they advertise these benefits, they even lead the conversation with them. If you have a conversation with somebody from that company, hey, man, you can have this. It's great. How would you like to be driving a brand new car? Nice. Turn, turn in your old, you know, old car. Get a brand new car. Or, you know, our company can offer you over 300 channels. All you have to do is sign here. Wow, that sounds great. Well, you know, another company might say, well, get the monkey off your back. Let us do all the heavy lifting. But if you were actually get around to asking, well, how much is this going to cost? They don't really want to answer that question. They might respond with, yeah, I don't know, worry about it. That's all in the fine print. Or, you know, and that's all logistics anyway. Let us help take help you take control of your life. But if you don't read the fine print, and trust me, they put it in the most boring way that they possibly can so that you will skip over it. If you don't read the fine print, sometimes what you're actually doing is you're handing over control to them. You're handing your finances to them, and you become trapped. When it comes to business and consumerism, I think there's something that we all need to be aware of, and that's when good companies, or when companies have a good product, I should say, when companies have a good product, they don't have to be deceptive about how they try to sell it. They don't have to rope you in with big flashing letters and blinking lights and you know promise you one thing but deliver another. If it's a company that has a good product, they don't have to be deceptive at all. They can be upfront and open and honest. If it sounds too good to be true, it's probably because it is. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is because Jesus doesn't hide the fine print. You know, as Christians, much of the time, what we try to do, we try to reach people. And in order to reach people for Christ, we lead with the benefits. And, you know, naturally we should do that because Jesus can help you have a better life. Everybody wants better, right? He can help you have a better marriage. He can help you have better finances. Um, he he wants you to, to you know, to, to be able to battle that addiction and win. Um, he wants you to make better decisions and live with fewer regrets. Uh, and with Jesus, you don't have to be drawn thin. You can be in, in a, you know, a healthy relationship with your spouse, a healthy relationship within your finances, healthy relationship with God, healthy relationship within yourself. So, yeah, we lead with that. Not only that, um, you know, the icing on the cake is, is that Jesus can rescue us from going to hell. All of that is certainly true. You know, that's, that's the benefits. Those are awesome benefits of being a follower of Christ. But there is a fine print when it comes to being a follower of Jesus. And Jesus doesn't hide the fine print. In fact, he advertises it. And what I'd like to do is I'd like to look at Luke chapter 14. I'm going to give you an example of what it is that I'm talking about. Um, And I'm just going to kind of begin with the first few verses. Um, Basically, in verse 25, it says, Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and and, and he turned to them, and he said um, something important, which we're going to get into in just a second. But but basically, what I want to do in this first part is that I just want to point out that large crowds were following him. Um, And he turned to the large crowd, and he gave them the fine print. Now, companies don't do that. People who have something to sell don't do that. That's not a conversation that you have with a large crowd. That's a conversation that you have with uh, you know, individuals. And you do it in such a way that other people don't hear you. For example, maybe you've been at a car dealership or you've been at a timeshare or you've been at something where someone is trying to sell you something and they write down a number on a piece of paper and they slide it across the desk. Why do they do that? Well, the reason why they do that is because 
They don't want everybody knowing what you're paying or what you're going to receive. They don't want anybody else to know what it is that they wrote down because if they said it out loud, somebody might hear it. And if it's a paycheck or you know a car payment, it might be higher or lower than what they're charging or paying someone else. So, of course, they're going to slide it across the table. Good to be a good salesman, you know, you don't air your dirty laundry. Which makes it even more incredible that Jesus had a large crowd following him, and then he turned and he gave them the fine print. Um, Jesus begins to lay out, you know, to the large crowd the cost of being discipled. In verse 26, he says, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father, hate his mother, hate his wife, hate his children, hate his brothers and his sisters, yes, hate even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now, if you're in a very dysfunctional family, you might check all those off and say, I'm good, Jesus, let's go. Well, that's not essentially what Jesus is talking about. In fact, you know, part of the part of the benefits of being a follower of Christ is that you know, I don't have bad relationships. I have good relationships with my family. I have good relationships with my spouse and with my children and with my siblings. And, you know, I have a good life. That's the way we sell Christianity, but that's not what Jesus is doing here. And, and he even ends, you know, that, that, that phrase, he said, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Listen, genuine discipleship is not something that's flashy. It's not something that's beautiful. It's not something you lead with the benefits. Jesus comes around and he says, listen, there's a difference between being a believer and being a disciple. Being a believer doesn't cost you anything, but discipleship, on the other hand, well, that's not so cheap. Now, I believe, you know, that you know Jesus is calling us to not hate our our family, even though it says hate. I don't think necessarily that's necessarily what it's talking about. I think what it's talking about is that you know we cannot put other things and other people, we can't put ourselves in front of the call to be a disciple. That Jesus, whenever he calls us, he calls us out of our families. He calls us out of our belief systems. He calls us out of the influences that we have. And he says, you need to be my disciple first. And a good way of doing that is to explain, you know, it's going to seem like hate to your father and your mother and your wife and your children and your brothers and your sisters. And it's going to seem like you hate your own life. And that's what it needs to be like. If you're going to follow me, you need to be dedicated to me. Surrender to me. And stop trying to follow everybody else, just follow me. Why does that even have to be an issue? I mean, he says every disciple must forsake their families. Why does a person have to choose between their families and being a disciple of Jesus? Well, I personally believe that we could not possibly understand, you know, fully what it meant for these people that Jesus was explaining this to, what it's like to be his disciple, because they live in a different culture than we do. You know, we, we live in a culture, maybe the Bible Belt or somewhere else, you know, where it's not necessarily wrong or not necessarily, you know, we're not going to be stoned to death or disowned if we follow Jesus Christ. Now, granted, you know, not everybody likes a, you know, a kiss up or a suck up or whatever you want to say. It's not everybody likes people who are goody goodies. In fact, if you're a goody goody, People don't really want you around. I learned that from experience. Whenever I gave my life to Christ, my friends didn't really want me around because I made them feel guilty. Well, you know, there's a little bit of that. But in in this culture that Jesus is talking to, to, you know, it's a very, very different story for them to become disciples of Jesus Christ than it is for us. 
Um, and the best to explain this, um, I heard a you know a saying whenever I was going to school. You know, basically, it says, you know, a cow, a chick, a chicken, and a pig get together and they want to make the farmer breakfast. And the, and the chicken says to the cow, "Okay, well, let's make the farmer breakfast. You provide the milk." And he says to the pig, you know, he says, "Well, I'll I'll provide the eggs." And to the pig, um, you know, you provide the bacon. And the moral of that story is, is that it costs other people a little bit more than it may or might not cost us to be a follower of Jesus Christ. As Americans, you know, we can believe in Jesus and, you know, it's just a little milk, big deal. But other people have to give their lives to be followers of Jesus Christ. And I, I would tell you that that was certainly true whenever I was in India. Um, people, you know, they they... It's okay to believe in Jesus if you're in India because, you know, they have millions of gods. What's one more? You know, just add him up there on the list. However, if you actually follow Jesus in obedience to the first step of baptism, you are ostracized from your community. And, you know, that's, that's just if you're one of the lucky ones. You know, basically, um, people that gave their life to Christ and were baptized, they were totally cut off from their families and neighbors. They're, they're, some are in prison. Some are even executed for their faith. Taking the first step of obedience in, in Christ through baptism in India means that you might be losing your marriage. It might means that you might lose your source of income. You might lose your home. You might lose your family, your freedom. You know, being a follower of Jesus Christ could cost you very well, cost you your life. And that's not something that we come to encounter in the United States because nobody is persecuting us if we become a follower of Jesus. Not real persecution, maybe a little persecution, but not that our life is in danger. And this has always served as a powerful reminder to me. Whenever I came back from India, I mean, this was abundantly clear. There is a difference between believing in Jesus and actually following him. The two aren't the same thing. It's free to believe in Jesus. Following Jesus uh, costs you a great deal. It costs you greatly. Well, how much? Well, that's where Jesus brings in the rest of the fine print. He says um, in verse 27, anyone who does not uh, carry his cross and follow me, there's the magic words, follow me, he can't be my disciple. If you don't carry your cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. Um, we, again, we couldn't understand what it's like to, to carry a cross or to be around somebody uh, you know, that, that was being crucified. We don't, that's not something we encounter. That's not something we see. It's not something that we smell. That's, that is, that's something that is, is just reserved for people that were being crucified and are around that, that type of culture. People were crucified when they became troublemakers. So Jesus is basically saying, you know, this isn't a, a jewel that you hang around your neck. It's not, a, a, you know, some, some nice thing that you put on your wall. It is an a instrument of death and torture. And unless you are ready to be killed and tortured for me, if you don't follow me to the, to the cross, then you can't be my disciple. You must take up your cross and follow me. That's not very motivating, Jesus. That's, that's not very good. I mean, let's... Who wants to sign up for that? He goes on to say, um, he says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Would he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? Notice the word first. What, if you were going to build a tower, you would sit down and you would count the cost first. What's it going to take? He says, for if he lays the foundation and is not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule him saying, ha, ah, this fellow began to build and he wasn't able to finish. That's not something that we, he wants us to encounter. He says, basically, you're foolish if you don't count the cost first. He says, or suppose a king that's about to go to war against another king, will he not first sit down and consider whether he's able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming at him with 20,000? He said, guys, listen. Read the fine print. 
You know, it's it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous to think that, you know, you should just jump in bed with Christianity and not read the fine print. He says if that king is not able to defeat the army, he will send a delegate and, and you know, he says, well, the other army is still a long way off and they'll ask for terms of peace. That's what wise people do. Jesus isn't telling us that we should be foolish. And in verse 33, he reads the bottom line. There's the fine print, but then there's the bottom line of the fine print. He says, in the same way, these two examples, listen. If any of you does not give up everything, he cannot be my disciple. If you don't give up everything you have, you cannot be Christ's disciple. So what is the bottom line? And we we ask Jesus, what's this going to cost me? He says, um, everything. Who would knowingly advertise that? I mean, think about that. That's crazy. What company would advertise or promote that signing up today is not only going to result in bankruptcy, it's going to get you killed? Ooh, sign me up for that. Who does that? When Jesus read the fine print, you know it had to hurt. Okay, Jesus, how much is this going to cost? Everything. Everything, everything? Everything. It's going to cost you everything. Who can even do that? I mean, think about that. What kind of person can willingly sign over their lives? Be tortured and killed? Who knows? Who can do that? Are the benefits really that good? Because I don't see them. Let's talk about some more of those benefits, shall we? Not only do you lose your life, you become less like you and more like Jesus. You start to lose your identity and become Christ in you. You begin serving the world instead of being served. You might even be killed in a horrible way to promote the glory of God. And you know what? To the world, those don't sound like benefits. To a person that doesn't already know Christ, that doesn't sound very appealing. Wouldn't you say, oh, Jesus, you know, I understand, like, this is the fine print. We ought to be hiding this, Jesus. Put this in a back room somewhere, and then, you know, we'll write it down on a piece of paper, and then we'll slide it across the table. But see, that's not what Jesus did. Why? Because those benefits that we talked about that don't sound very beneficial for the worldly, they are beneficial for the disciple. It doesn't make sense why somebody would sign up for that. But this is why Jesus ends the way that he does. He refers to us as salt. He says that, you know, that uh, salt, basically salt was a form of currency back then. And, you know, it it preserved food and it gave it flavor. Um, He says essentially that his followers preserve everything good in the world. That we, in and of ourselves, you know, we're not good. Um, You know, we are sinful. We're sick. We're we're destructive. And and you may be thinking, well, you know, I'm not all that bad. I don't know what you're talking about. I, I do a lot of good. Well, Jesus said, look, he said, look at it this way. Only the, heavenly, only the heavenly Father is good, which means that you know, real salt is just a representation of God in the world. Think about every good thing that you've experienced. That really came from God. God is the giver of good gifts. If your wife is good, she came from God. If your husband is good, hey, he came from God. Even if you don't believe in God, God is what is good in this world, and we are his representatives. And if we're not representing God in the world, if we're not displaying his power and his nature to the rest of the world, then we're not good for anything. And here's the kicker, you have to follow Jesus Christ to be a representative of God. If you're not following Jesus, you are not 
the salt of the earth. Now, why would somebody sign up for this? Good question. Jesus concludes with a very, very powerful statement. He says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. What does that even mean? I have ears. You have ears, right? You're listening to me. What does that even mean? What that means is, is that this isn't something that everyone is going to understand. This isn't going to make sense to everyone. In fact, this is a profound spiritual truth, which means only a few truly understand it. And nobody can help you understand why you should commit your life to Jesus except the Holy Spirit. He wants you to read the fine print. And what, what, what's going to happen most of the time is you're going to read the fine print. Like, why would I sign up for that? That's dumb. But then the Holy Spirit begins to reveal to you why you should sign the dotted line. Now, I can't explain to you why. I'm not the Holy Spirit. I can't even tell you why Jesus would be so open about the fine print. But I can, however, tell you some things that people who have become Jesus' disciples know. There are some things that we disciples know. Disciples know that there will come a time in our lives, most likely many times, that what we want and what the world wants, they will come together, but what God wants is very different. We know that there will be a time when we're facing a decision that makes sense to us. It makes sense to the rest of the world, but God is leading us in a different direction. We seem to want different things. We know that that when we decide to go God's route, that people won't understand it. We know that when we go God's route, it's going to probably make us look stupid. Disciples know that when you do things God's way, though, without question, it's always the right way to go. Disciples of Jesus know that this life isn't all there is. The Holy Spirit helps us to, to, to know that there is life after we die, and I believe this helps us cope with all kinds of loss, whether it's a loss of an opportunity a loss of money, maybe a loss of a friendship. Maybe it's the death and and loss of of a precious family member. Disciples of Jesus know that there is more, that there is, that heaven is real. It helps us to cope with our loss. Disciples of Jesus know that because there is an afterlife, there is also a judgment. We know that we must give an account for everything that we do and say. This helps us to understand why it is so important to follow Jesus because when we follow Jesus, he helps us grow in ways that please God. Disciples of Christ know there is a difference between Christian consumerism and being a disciple, an actual disciple, a genuine disciple of Jesus. We know that Jesus will call us to make sacrifices. We know that he will call us to serve instead of being served. We know that we have to die to ourselves and that we might die in a horrible way. We know that we have to kill the flesh and let the Holy Spirit reign supreme. We know these things and we make the decision to follow Christ daily because we know what happens if we don't. We know the cost of following Christ is everything. Not a little, not a lot, it's everything. But we also know that refusing to follow Jesus costs us a lot more than our lives. You ever heard the expression, there's a lot worse than death? (laughs) Jesus' disciples, we remember that he said, if you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will find it. Disciples know that regardless of what we do, we're going to lose everything anyway. And at least Jesus returns our life to us. All we, you know, we, we have to give him our lives, but we get to live for all eternity. 
Now, many people might condemn you for having doubts about Jesus. What I'll tell you about that is, is that Jesus doesn't penalize you for making the statement, well, I'm just not sure that following Jesus is worth it. Jesus wants you to, you know, to come to that realization. He wants you to make that statement. He wants you to encourage, you know, he wants to encourage you to weigh the cost because these costs are important. He says, you're a fool if you don't do it. But see, here's what also Jesus knows about you. Your life is more important to you than everything else. If you were given the option of a full, you know, a fistful of diamonds, here's a fistful of diamonds or a glass of water, what would you take? The diamonds, duh. But see, if you were in the desert dying of thirst with no water in sight, and you were given the same option, glass of water or, or you know, a fistful of diamonds, you'd be a fool not to take the water. Why? Because your life is dear to you. You would take the water. There will always be more money. You can get different friends. There'll be new opportunities. But you can't, you can't restore your own life. When people get into a wreck, what do we say? We say, well, the car is replaceable. You are not. I'm just glad you're okay. Jesus doesn't want us to throw our lives away. Fools throw their lives away. He wants us to give our lives to him so he can transform us and give us real life. What will the cost be? Maybe it's, a, maybe it's money. Maybe it's a career. Maybe it's an opportunity. Maybe it's relationships. Maybe, maybe you know, you're, you're just finding out what Jesus is costing you. You know what disciples of Jesus know? We know that we have a choice. We can deny ourselves now or we can be saved and lose ourselves later. That's, that's our choice. And we have to make a decision. Are we content with being a Jesus consumer or do we want something more? We need to ask the question, am I a Jesus consumer or am I a Jesus follower? Two things before we close. Number one, those who have something worth having don't have to be deceptive about distributing it. And we need to take this to heart as Christians. We don't have to hide from the fine print. Jesus didn't. And look, he has disciples all over the world. When disciples pay the price for Jesus also, I just want to say this, when you pay the price for following Jesus, when you read the fine print and you make the decision to surrender to him anyway, you're always glad you did. Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, I, I, can't, I can't explain to my listeners how it is that a disciple can read the fine print and not run for the hills. I know this isn't something I can explain, and so I'm asking your Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to explain it to them for me. Will you, will you just teach everyone who is listening to this why you aren't afraid to promote the fine print? Will you show them that they need to count the cost for following you, but that the cost of not following you are so much greater? I thank you for this message, Lord, and I thank you for giving me the ears to hear. And Lord, I ask that you do the same for everyone else. Show them how to be a disciple and not just a consumer. Show them how to follow Christ with their life to turn it over to him and let him work. It's in these things that I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Hey, thanks again for listening. We pray that the Lord blessed you through this message and that he spoke to you and that you have a clear direction for your life. Please remember to subscribe to our podcast so that you never miss another message. And if you have any questions or comments about today's message, please feel free to email us at fbcrungi at gmail.com. Until then, we hope that you share in our vision to help people take root, grow, and bear fruit. And if so, then let's get out there and get to work.